You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Interning 101 podcast, hosted by yours truly, Emily White, author of Interning 101. Welcome to what I believe is episode 12 of the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White, and I'm so thrilled to have my friend and colleague, Megan Vick, as a guest today. Welcome, Megan. Thanks, Emily. So Megan currently works at CBS. Can you tell us about your position there? And I know you were just at the Emmys. Yeah. So I actually work for TV Guide, um, the digital version. Fun fact, uh, tvguide.com is now separate from the magazine. They're completely owned by completely different companies. TVGuide.com, its parent company is now CBS Interactive, which is the digital arm of CBS. Uh, I'm an associate editor there, so uh, I cover all your favorite shows, talk to all your favorite people, executive producers and that kind of thing about like, what's going on in this episode? Why is that character doing that? We cover basic TV news about like what's being picked up, where you can watch stuff. And uh, yeah, like you said, just recently I got to do the Emmys red carpet. Amazing. So I'm super lame and I watch nothing. So what are some of your favorite shows right now? Ooh, okay. Um, I really, really love Kidding, which is the new Jim Carrey show on Showtime. Sad Jim Carrey is the best Jim Carrey. And so he's doing a really excellent job there. Uh, I just binge-watched all of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is the Riverdale companion series on Netflix. It's much darker. The first half is a little slow, but once you get to the back half, it's actually, like, super amazing. And then uh, my favorite sh- – I th- think my favorite show overall has to be Shameless. Awesome. Um, I have only heard of Shameless because I had a band with some music in the show. So all very good to know. I didn't know the other two. That's awesome. Um, So let's start at the beginning. I kind of went, this might mean nothing to people, but I kind of went Larry King style on this one. Larry King used to never prepare for his interviews, even though like my general advice is like prepare for everything. Um, But I don't know that much about like where you're from or or anything like that. So let's start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? So I grew up mostly in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Before that, um, we moved there when I was eight. But before that, my dad was in the military. So we actually like moved around a lot. Uh, So I was like born in Kansas and then we went to Germany and then I was in Kentucky and so a lot of that. But uh, for the most part, I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then when I was in eighth grade, I did a math counts competition. I was a super nerd and we made it to like the state level. And at the state level is held at a high school called the North Carolina School of Science and Math. And what they did is like a recruiting thing was like after the tournament was over, you could take a tour of the school and see if you were interested in potentially going when you were in high school because science and math is for uh, juniors and seniors. And after that tour, I fell absolutely in love with it. I was in eighth grade at this point. Uh, and so I spent the next two years doing everything I possibly could to make sure that I was uh, my resume was good enough to get into the school. And so my sophomore year, I applied and got in. So I actually moved out of my house at 16 and lived at this boarding school an hour and a half away. Uh, it was a, like a free public residential high school, but it was like the hardest, most intense two years of my life 
been like, I hated it. I loved it. Um, and it really like really shaped me for going to school. So, um, then I started applying to go to college and I knew I didn't want to stay in North Carolina. My dream was actually to go to BU. I know saying that to Northeastern alumni is like the worst thing ever. Um, <laughs> but my dad happened to mention we were at the college fair at science and math. He's like, you know what? Like I have a friend that went to Northeastern. It's actually a really good school. Like you should apply just as like a safety thing or whatever. And I did. And I ended up getting into both, but Northeastern gave me a full tuition scholarship. So it made amazing. Yeah. So it made the decision pretty easy. I could go there. I could go to Chapel Hill uh, and everyone I knew was going to Chapel Hill. So I was like, absolutely not. I'm going 800 miles away to go uh, study in Boston. And at the time I was pathologically obsessed with Panic at the Disco. (laughs) Nice. And so like when I was like filling out my entry paperwork, I saw like music industry as a major and I was like, wait a minute, like that's a real major. I have to do this. And I knew nothing about co-op, none of that. I was just like, oh, music industry is a major and I have a full like tuition scholarship. So that's where I'm going. Uh, and then when I got there and learned all about I was like, oh, this I couldn't have made a better choice by accident. I love it. Um, my story is mildly similar. Um, I'm from Wisconsin. I had never, I, I'm older than you and music business programs are a little bit more common, but um, there were like three. Um, but yeah, I, I stumbled on like the concept of a music industry major on like an Oasis message board in 1998. Um, And I was like, that's going to be my major. Like I've never heard of this school, but that's going to be my major. Um, So awesome. Great. So the fact that it wasn't an Oasis message board is the most you thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So let's, let's fast forward to probably like sophomore year. Tell me about what your first co-op or, and and to clarify, I think I've clarified this before. Co-op is short at Northeastern University for cooperative education. It's basically interning. Um, So what was your first co-op? My first co-op was a social media intern at the Wilbur Theater, which was in Boston. My first, like my first choice co-op that I really wanted was I wanted to go to Decadence Records, which as most teeny boppers from 2006, 2007 know, was like the Fueled by Ramen imprint that Fall Out Boy and Panic were on. I follow my passion. Um, the Northeastern has certain co-ops that are set up in existence already. And there's a like database where you can go and you can apply to those and people expect to have Northeastern co-ops every semester. Decadence didn't. So I went out and I cold emailed and I got an interview. But it just didn't work out because they weren't set up for six-month interns. Right. Also, probably in hindsight, I probably could have interviewed a lot better and not been such like a fangirl. <laughs> we can talk about that. <laughs> I made the mistake of putting like all of my eggs in that basket. It didn't work out. So I ended up in staying in Boston. I really wanted to go to New York for both of my co-ops, but mm-hmm. it ended up that I stayed in Boston uh, and did social media at the Wilbur Theater, which actually turned out to be a really great, having social media on your resume can never hurt ever. Um, and I had a really great time and I, and I learned a lot from that one. But yeah, I was in Boston for six months. The fact that you may, you probably weren't, but maybe you were. The fact that you were kind of fangirly at that first interview, like that's also the point of internships, right? Like it's way better to be like that while you're in school than um, when you're entry level. Absolutely. And I also toured with Panic at the Disco. Did you see the Dresden Dolls open for them ever? I did not see that particular tour, but I watched all of the YouTube videos afterwards <laughs> and- I know that like Amanda used to do like the epic Britney Spears cover with Brendan. Yeah, that was a weird tour because like 
I was in my twenties. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm sure Brian still was too. Amanda may have been all of 30 and we were like the old experienced people to panic in the disco and their crew. So that was kind of amazing. So what was your next co-op after that? What was your next internship? So I only did two co-ops because mm-hmm. the way I actually, I got super, super lucky when I was a junior in high school. Um, my great aunt, this is so weird to say I was lucky before I tell the story. My great I, my great aunt unfortunately died when I was a junior in high school. But my dad, he was it was his favorite aunt. He went to go like help her family like clean out stuff and her daughter had me like, "Hey, are your kids Megan and Justin?" He's like, "Yeah." And it turned out my great aunt over a course of like 30 years had just been putting away money every month for me and my brother and we ended oh. up having like a big chunk of money that was left to us by her. And, uh, my brother, my parents just gave my brother his check. But since I was 16 at the time, they were like, uh, no college. So when I went to Northeastern, I had the full, uh, tuition scholarship. They were like, well, this is going to pay for your room and board. So basically you get out of college with no, uh, student loans. (laughs) I, I, I basically needed to graduate in four years. And I was like, that's an exchange for like doing two only two co-ops. Like I have no student debt. So that's what I did. So my second co-op was at billboard, which ended up being like the co-op that has led to every other job since then. Um, and I did get to go, I did get to go to New York and got creative about it. Now I would consider, um, or I would guess that billboard is a relatively competitive internship to get. Is that the case? I would like to think so. It is one of the ones that Northeastern had pre-set up. So there had been kids there before. So I applied through our system. Um, but then I never heard anything back. And so I just like, I went to Craig Bettinson, who was the co-op coordinator at Northeastern. I went to his office like once a week. I was like, Craig, have you heard anything? Craig, have you heard anything? And like the third or fourth time, I was like, okay, Craig, I'm going to sit here until you call them and ask if they got my resume. And I sat down and sat there and watched Craig call them. And then they were like, oh, no, like we switched to the intern coordinator was. So she's not getting the resumes. Can you like resend it? And I was like, yes. okay." And then the next day they asked me for an interview. I love it. Um, There's so much people can learn about everything you just said, whether it's, you know, really taking advantage of campus resources. Like that's what they're there for, you know. So get in there like make friends with these people, make it happen, see what opportunities there are. Like, no offense to Craig, if you have to tell them how to do your job, which you did, um, nothing was going to stop you from doing everything in your power to get that billboard uh, internship. And then you scored the interview. This this is kind of basic, but like, it's important. How did you get to New York from Boston? Or did you do a phone interview? Oh, no, I went to New York. That was, oh, this is also a saga. So there's a, there's mega buses that go from Boston to New York every day yep and it's like the sooner you like sign up for it like the cheaper the ticket is but like it was 15 bucks i think 30 bucks round trip to go from boston to new york so it's a four-hour bus ride i made a huge mistake so the night before i left i uh there used to be a website called hubstop which gave you all of your like train directions for the train i printed out the instructions thinking i was being extra prepared but i printed it out at like 10 p.m Maybe, or like, it might have been after midnight, actually. And I didn't change the time for when I would actually be taking the trip in New York. Right. So they gave me the instructions for if I was trying to get from, like, Times Square to Billboard after midnight. 
which is very different from if you're trying to get from Times Square to midnight at noon. Totally. <laughs> so the next day I, uh, I had met up with my friend Terry and left from Times Square and I'm taking my instructions and I get on the express train because at night that's the train that's running local. And so I ended up missing, it missed the North, the billboard stop. And I didn't really realize it until I was like halfway to Brooklyn. So I immediately start having a panic attack because I'm gonna be late for this interview that I worked so hard to get. And I'm like trying to text them to like tell them what happened, but I'm like underground. So now it just looks like I'm just late. So it's just getting worse and worse and worse. I finally like turn around, get back there. On the way back, there is a part where it like comes up out of the river the train comes out of the river and I was able to be like, Hey, like I just took the wrong train. I'm so sorry. I'm going to be there. And luckily Liz was like, really (laughs) like considerate about it. And I just like, I went to the interview and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm never like this. This is what happened. And I, I, after that, I was like, I made it through the interview and she's like, how do you find news? And I had good answers. Like you look on Twitter, like you can't wait for other people to write it up sort of basic stuff. And I, and that, internship i was a music industry major with a journalism minor so that internship was everything that i thought i wanted at that particular time and i just made it very clear that i'm like i'm here to work and i'm here to turn this into a job and so like you want me and that was able to overcompensate for my uh train error (laughs) amazing um i think you handled that really well you know i talk about in the book like if you spill coffee on yourself on the way to an interview, like it humanizes you, you know? And like, I've lived in New York for 15 years and I still make um, mistakes on the train and have those moments of like, this is so bad. I am halfway to Brooklyn and I have to go this other way. So people understand that. And you handle it really well, honestly, by saying like, I'm not really like this. This never happens to me because I say that to people now, you know what I mean? And what do I have like hundreds of meetings a year? Like at some point you're going to make a mistake. So intern or executive, that's life. So I, I believe that billboard internship was pretty intense. And I know I heard really great things about you as an intern um, at billboard. So tell me what that experience was like. Yeah. So when we, when I started, there were four of us interns, two of them had been summer interns that were only there for like my first month and a half before they went back to school. And then the other co-op, the other one was another Northeastern co-op who was not a music industry major. He was a journalism major. So, and I had had one, like one class with him before. So at first it was a little difficult because there were like four of us competing for like the attention and the stuff that we wanted to do. My first week, one of our tasks on Friday was to take the print magazine and take the CD and single reviews and like manually type them into the CMS, which is a uh, management, it's like the back end of a website. We have to manually type them from the print magazine into the system so that they would be on the website every Friday, just like the issue would come out. That was my job my first Friday. And I thought like, oh, this is so easy. Like I've got this, whatever. I was sloppy about it. I was overly confident. I didn't double check everything that I was typing. And apparently like I made like a lot of typos. And a former, Mm -hmm. one of the reviews was from a former Northeastern, like a Northeastern student who had done the co-op like the first half of the year. And so she knew everybody at Billboard and she like called my boss and was like, my name is misspelled. Like every, this is a mess. Like I'm so mad. Like it needs to be fixed immediately or else I'm going to tell Bill who is the executive director of billboard.com. Was it Bill Wordy? Yeah, it was Bill Wordy. Um, who Bill to his credit was terrifying. And if she had gone to him, not only would Liz have been in trouble, but I would have been fired. Right. 
So Liz calls a meeting with all of the interns and is like, how did all of this, like, how did this happen? Like, you can't have anybody going to Bill, especially like when I'm in charge of the interns, blah, blah, blah. And basically like she was, she was mad because she was panicked. Right. And I just, I knew, like, I knew it was my fault. So, and like the two interns that have been there all summer have been like, yeah, like we stayed late to fix all of it. Aaron emailed us too. Like, well, well, it's fixed now. Don't worry about it. And I was like, okay, hold on a second. I was like, it's my fault. I didn't, I wasn't doing what I needed to do properly. It will never happen again. Heat warning heated, (laughs) but like, it was my fault. I was like terrified that I was going to get fired in that moment. And Liz was just like, okay, seriously, make sure it never happens again. And when I got back to my desk, the other two interns were like, we really appreciate like you stepping up and taking responsibility for that. And I actually like really gained their loyalty, which helped out a lot for the time that they were there just because like I owned up to my mistake instead of letting them like letting everybody take the fall for it. Right. So having some integrity was a really great help. Uh, And they really helped me like move forward and do things like that. And then what I would do, especially in those like early stages was like, if I had finished everything that they had given us to do to begin with, I would then get up and like the interns sat in a separate area than the editorial staff, but I would just go over to their section. I would just walk around to each of them be like, Hey, I know it's like towards the end of the day. Is there anything that you need help with? And most of the time they said no, but I did that for like two weeks. So by the time like someone needed like a transcription or anything, they knew my name and they would come to the intern section. They're like, Hey, now I do have something for you to help with. And so that's how I started doing transcriptions. And when you do transcriptions, well, that leads to like other projects. Um, and then eventually like it was Gabs was one of the other interns and she was supposed to go to a Taylor Momsen show at jc penny taylor momsen was on gossip girl but then she had that band the pretty reckless oh i know i'm a huge gossip oh, girl yeah. fan yeah so she uh she did a line at jc penny and was like doing like a thing and so because she was in the pretty reckless billboard wanted to cover it and they assigned it to gabs but gabs was like i have this other interview like i can't go and they were like megan do you know who she is and i was like she's on gossip girl <laughs> which i had never watched but just because i knew who she was that gave me the up and they're like, okay, go for it. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. So I went and I talked to her and when I came back, like I, I tried to be like the most creative with the articles, like two floors below, like this crowded JC Penny show, blah, blah, blah. And like wrote up the interview and I turned it in and both my editors were like, Oh my God, this is such great color. They ended up gutting all of my creative stuff that I put in the article, but just submitting it that way, let them know what I could do. And so that started also increasing the amount of stuff that they would let me do. And I just kind of like kept taking every little bit that they would give me, making sure I did it well. And then they would give me a little bit more, a little bit more. So by the time that I left, I was doing regular like interview reported stories for the magazine and even got to do like a story in the music section. That's insane. I love it. I Do you always proofread your work now after that? I mean, you obviously learned a lot from that, but you know, that's... Like, I'm totally cool with people making mistakes, myself included. Just don't do it twice. I still, I'm still not the best self-editor, but I'm so much better than I was when I was there, especially as a college student. Um, But it's something like you're, especially when you're writing the amount that I'm writing on a daily basis, like you're going to make typos, you're going to do things. It's really, you got to take a second and like reread it whatever. Um, sometimes you're on a deadline and sometimes like this is us gets canceled. It's not canceled. That's just an example. Yeah. But sometimes this is us gets canceled. And it's like, you need to have that up in like 20 seconds. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so let's pause on your career journey for a second um, because you helped me research the chapter in the book called The Interning Struggle. Let's get this straight. I'm not a rich kid. How to survive and thrive in an unpaid internship. So first, um, before we even talk about like practical tips, like you probably know that interning is like a controversial thing in and of itself. So how do you feel about unpaid internships in the music industry? Or, or maybe you don't, but I'm just throwing that out there or in the entertainment industry rather. I mean, it would be great if all internships would be paid. In an ideal world, that would be fantastic. However, when I when I was in college, and I, like I was co-oping right before the lawsuits that have like forced a lot of people into being like, you can't work here unless you're getting college or like we can't afford in you can't have interns unless we pay them and we can't pay them. So we're not going to have interns. That's yep. where we're at now. And I was, I was co-oping right before that. When it comes to the music industry, these are what they call quote unquote fancy jobs. Every person wants these. And the vast, especially with the state that the music industry is in now, where a lot of people are like DIY or small companies, they can't afford to pay you, but they can give you a really great experience that really fills out your resume and then you might be able to get a job there. Or if you don't get a job there, you probably make the connection that will get you a job while you're at that internship. So there's a lot of ways to get quote unquote paid at an internship that isn't financial. And you have to sort of figure out that balance, but to sort of be like, Oh, if it's not paid, it's not worth it is, is a little, it's a little naive in this area because you're cutting yourself off from a lot of opportunities that you would have had, had you been able to like get creative about doing the internship. Yeah, how I view it and what I tell students even starting in like high school, so it's drilled into their brain is however you are paying for college, whether it is cash, student loan, scholarship, probably some sort of combination of the three, factor that into your internship plan. So if you can at least do one, um, I'd love it if people could do two so they have something to compare it to. That is as valuable, if not more than your classroom work, and you need to treat it like a class in, in, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Because to not do one is so detrimental when you graduate because it's really hard getting even an entry level job anymore. It used to be like expected that, oh, you graduated college. Someone's going to teach you how to do this, whatever. They would prefer if you walk in with a resume that says like, you know what? I've done like I've done at least an internship or two or three internships. So like I understand office culture. I understand deadlines. I understand getting this done. They're more willing to take a chance on you because it's less time they have to explain very basic things. And so you get a huge leg up just by being like, I've, I have some familiarity with what this is and how this works and how to be a good employee, which is different than being a good student. And you can't overjudge how important that is when you're applying for jobs immediately out of college. I wrote interning 101 because I was constantly explaining basic things. So I realized if I, I and I wrote what I called the intern manifesto for our company. Cause I was like, Oh, if I put this into like a handbook, you know, people can reference this and then maybe they can work on like what I would consider more interesting things. Um, and then that is what morphed into the book. But again, like look at the experience. It, I mean, I mean the like freak out experiences you had at your two internships. Like, aren't you glad that you got your fangirl interview out of your system and figuring out the New York trains? Like, yeah, the, uh, those are like meltdown moments, like the train thing. But at the same time, like you're in college. It's okay. That's why you're trying to figure it out instead of when you're, you know, 23 or whatever. Absolutely. It was a lot more understandable for like 19 year old me 
to not know how to handle herself in that particular environment than for 23 year old me to go in there being like, oh, my God, like, I just want to work with Brendan. Like, it wouldn't it wouldn't have gone well. <laughs> Were you really like that? I was not, I, I was a little bit more cool than that, but it was. Like, it was very obvious that I wanted to be there for specific reasons. Um, and they just weren't, they weren't feeling it. They were all, like, Decadence was run by, like, two guys. And they were very, like, bro right. dudes. And I just, like, was yeah. not. It's also, like, because a lot of times interning, especially once at a very small company, is about, like, do I want to hang out with this person for six months? Right. Every day. And those yeah. particular chill dudes did not want to hang out with me for six months, which in hindsight, I completely understand. I consider you to be like a super professional person, but you're also like clearly passionate and you get excited about the stuff that you're excited about. I'm, I'm similar that way. So do you have any advice, especially when it's, gosh, your first internship, like, or your first interview, like my plan, I literally like, we wrote this in high school and like mailed it. I don't know. The teacher was supposed to mail it 10 years later. I don't know if you did, but, um, my plan was to go work for Oasis and Noel Gallagher's uh, imprint in the UK. So like that was my whole plan and goal. And I guess my point is like, do you have advice for people or even your former self if you are in that situation of like your dream thing? Like how do you how do you express professionalism as well as passion for what they're doing without without getting too into it. When I first introduced myself to Amanda Palmer at Northeastern, I found out later that she had she had, had offers for help before, but they were from fans. And I was a fan as well, but I was also studying music business and presented myself in a relatively professional way. So do you have any advice for people that are, because you want someone who's passionate there, but you want to keep the fandom or stalkerness, and I'm, again, speaking about myself, um, under control, um, how do you balance that? It can be tricky, but I will say this is that like, do not try and make yourself less of a fan. Every major career decision I have made has been based on me being a huge fan of something. Even going to Billboard, I was like, the dream is to be able to interview Panic at the Disco. And people knew when I was there that like I was a big fan. I found there's an archive room and I found like an old copy of like the last cover they had done. And I like cut it out and like had the cover like taped to my desk. So everybody that came over to my desk would be like, oh, so like you're a panic fan. And I was like unabashed. I was like, yes, a hundred percent. But I didn't like force it on people. <laughs> so that's sort of where, yeah. but like it was something that people were aware of. And so um, I did the internship. Normally I did quite a few interviews that like um, that ended up in the magazine. Courtney was so Courtney Harding was the head of the music section at that particular time. Uh, and she let me do like a trial piece while I was an intern while um, for the music section. And she liked what I did with it so much that she's like, you know what? Like I almost never do this, but like, I'd like you to keep freelancing for us once you go back to Northeastern. So that, and I would just like pitch stuff to her and do stuff. And then finally uh, panic was releasing their third album in my senior year of college and she's like, listen, they're releasing this album. I know you're their like biggest fan. Do you want to do this interview? It would be the lead piece in the music section. And I was wow. like, yes. Oh my God. Would I? So that, yeah. that was like, it was just unique timing. And I was like, of course, of course, of course. And again, the so I emailed the publicist to be like, hey, like we want to do this. And she's like, you know, like they're actually going to be in New York for their record release day. 
can you get back to the city? You could talk to them in person. So I literally like just like melted down to my core and like took a second. Yes, that's why I'm laughing. That's amazing. And I was like, oh my God. So again, like I had classes and I was like, screw it. I'm skipping class for a day. Got another mega bus. Uh, asked a friend who was on co-op at that time in New York and was like, hey, can I sleep on your couch? I got to do this interview. And so I, I went back to New York and I like got to talk to them in the Atlantic Records office, just like me, Brendan and Spencer for 30 minutes, just sitting at a table. I kept it pretty chill. I didn't ask for a photo. That's a key thing. Like when you're interviewing someone, like don't ask for a photo. It immediately gives away that you're a fan. I have a rule that like I have my top three people <laughs> and those are the only people I'll ask uh, photos for. But, uh, and Brendan obviously counts as my top one, but I was like, no, like this is my first big interview. I can't do it. And that, so like, but yeah, I got to spend 30 minutes just sitting down talking to them about like the process of creating music and what this album was. And that was also the album after Ryan and John had left. So the band had basically split in half. Right. So I like had a professional reason to ask them questions that I had as a fan. So cool. But I also knew that like, that's what everybody wanted to know. So like having that, being able to prep what I wanted to say in advance, like really helped, but I just sort of like kept it chill. But like, I didn't try and hide that I was a fan from Courtney or any of those people. And that's why she let me do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But Courtney is tough in a good way. And she obviously recognized, you know, your skill and your intellect and your ability. Um, And Courtney's a fan too, you know? So it sounds like your dream came true before you graduated college. Pretty much. And what the weird thing was, I thought that my dream was to work at Billboard or Rolling Stone, like one of those magazines. And when I got there as like I, that internship has meant everything to me. And like, I've sort of built everything that I've built so far from that particular point. But at the same time, I realized while I was there, I was like, this isn't something I want to do for like my life. Right. Which is a terrifying realization that you want to have your senior year in college. Um, But while I was there, the social network came out again. I used fandom to like decide everything in my life. I went and saw the social network and it like blew my mind. Right. I don't even know how to process how I'm feeling, but like, I don't want to write about music anymore. I want to write movies that like make me feel the way that that movie made me feel. So at that point I decided, Oh, I'm going to move to LA and I'm going to try and make it work. And so that's what I'm in LA still trying to do. And everything has been like trying to reach that. So again, it's like, it's fandom pushing me towards these different things. It leads to different things all the time. So like, I'm a huge fan of Andrew Garfield. Obviously that was like the driving force in that that led me to LA. But like, because of that, like I also started watching like films that his co-stars were in and that like really helped me like learn more about movies and that sort of thing. And you just learn more and you make connections based on these things just because you're interested in it. And I think like people should let that be a driving force because when you're passionate about something, you're going to do it well and you're going to do your best to make sure that it happens. So I, I never want to discourage people from being fans or being open about being fans because like, that's what people need. And that's what leads to great things when you're passionate about something. Definitely. And I think having that realization um, that this wasn't for you, like your senior year at, um, is actually amazing because again, you could have been grinding it out, hopefully at billboards. I mean, that's a hard job to get, you know, ages 23, 24, and realize that at 25, 26, which is not that big a deal, but it's like you achieved your dream by senior year. And then, you know, it sounds like it was like, okay, well, I conquered that. What's next? What else do I want to do? Exactly. I want to be as 
professional and vague as possible, but we'll see how that this goes. So one of our guests on the show, you can figure it out. I'm not going to say who it was, um, runs an amazing internship program. And I said, oh, you should talk to my, I'm going to, I mean, everybody knows where I went to school. Like we've been talking about this, but I, I'm going to speak about this generally. Generally, and I want Megan's thoughts. I I said you should talk to my university. Um, they have an amazing program, blah, blah blah. And she said, "Oh, I'd love to." And so when I connected um, this amazing this person who runs just an incredible internship program in New York, where they hire a bunch of interns and they're super hands on and and it's amazing. I connected her with my university. And I was told, no, we don't want to work with them um, for our music industry students because um, it's unpaid. And how I viewed that, I I guess before I give my opinions, uh, what do you think about that? Oh, okay. I know that things are complicated because of those lawsuits. And there are like some people like... I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure how much of it is like, Oh, we're not allowed to send people on unpaid co-ops, but I'm just like within music industry to say like, we're not sending anybody on any unpaid internships. Like, I'm just sad by the, um, all of the things that you immediately disqualify. Well, by putting that I think it's, it's, I, I don't think it's that they won't send anyone. It's that they won't put it in the university system is what I got out of that. I was a person that knew exactly what I wanted to do for every co-op. And I specifically went after this, but like, I wouldn't have known that a billboard co-op was even possible if it hadn't been in the system. Right. So like I went for like, and people make their own co-ops all the time. Whereas like they find a company they really want to go for. It's not in the system. They cold email. Like I did with for cadence and got that interview, but it's like some kids don't know They're going on their first co-op in their sophomore year of college, which, yeah, you've been... So by the time you're a sophomore, you've taken, like, music industry one and music industry two and maybe a couple of electives, but, like, you don't know where in the music industry you fit. Yeah, You need as many options as possible to, like, go through and be like, oh, I think I'm interested in this. Let me try this co-op. Or I think I'm interested in that. Like, you need that array of options. And the thing is, at least in the music industry... The co-ops that pay usually are for giant companies because they have the money to pay. Who does? Let, let's let's talk about that real quick. Who does pay in the music industry? If, if you're talking about giant companies, I, I know I think Paradigm does. Does Par- does Universal? I have no idea. I have no idea either. But I imagine that it, like it's not the small like mom and pop record labels that sometimes make the very best internships because you're there like two again like with like two other people right who really need your help and so they're going to give you a lot more experience because there's a lot more work to be spread around less people whereas like i feel like if you're getting paid and it's in a giant place not to completely dismiss a co-op like universal or whatever because i know a lot of people that did the universal like sync licensing co-op and it turned out very beneficial for them and they ended up getting a job at universal afterwards right so not to dismiss that but a lot of times like when you're at a bigger company that has like a lot more interns and a lot more people it's a lot harder to stand out and get the attention that you particularly want to get the experience that you need so i i just feel like it's disqualifying a lot of of, of great potential to not offer that to students yeah, I think it's absurd. Um, your dream was achieved through an unpaid internship that you scored through you, your university system. I hope those billboard internships are still in there. And um, 
look, we're going to talk about how to make this work next. And I could talk to you about that and actually interning in general all day. But, um, you know, I was on a, a, an athletic scholarship. You were on an ac- academic scholarship. We went to a private university. There are plenty of people, there are plenty of families paying full tuition. And I know we don't talk about those interns and families like in general, you know, in, in the controversial issue. But if you can afford it, you want like you want to make sure your child has every opportunity that they have. And it's up to the student and families to make that decision on what's best for them. As as far as I'm concerned, like if I were a parent, I'd be furious if I knew that opportunities for students were not being presented to the students. Absolutely. Especially in this particular field where it's so hard to get a job afterwards, because again, everybody want like going to concerts as a job is the best thing in the entire world. Everybody wants <laughs> to do that. So it's, it's, it is, yeah, again, comes down to like, they should let the students have a choice. If you are in a situation where you can't afford to do an unpaid internship, that's fine. And Northeastern should absolutely have paid internship options within the system that should, and they should do their best to advocate for more internships to pay, because I don't think that's a bad thing. Yes. Right. But at the same time, don't, like, don't present that as the those on, the only options. And you need to let say, like, I had to make choices as well that, like, this might be going into, like, what you want to talk about in the next question. But, like, I knew when I didn't get the decadence job, I knew I was like, okay, my next co-op, I really want to go to New York. And my parents were very, like, straight up about it. They're like, you get to go to New York once. Nice. So figure it out. They're like, you can try and go to New York for an internship that you don't really want which would be any backup to the canes. I was like, or you can stay in Boston for six months where we know we can swing. We already have this yeah. set up. And then next time you can really, tr- you can try and figure out New York for real. And so that's what ended up happening. It was like, I had to like choose how I want to do it. And I ended up uh, choosing for the right one. I like that. And I, I like how you basically said like, you know, universities should advocate for paid internships, but not exclude opportunities. Absolutely. Basically. Again, you did an amazing job helping me research the interning struggle chapter. So let's talk about that. Um, I'm from a middle class family. Yes, I was on an athletic scholarship, but you know, like your parents found out, like room and board in Boston is no joke. Um, and so, so how do you make this work? Like, really, dare I say, from any socioeconomic background, what are some tips? And let's let's start with housing. Where did you live when you interned at Billboard in New York? Okay, so this is actually like really important. Um, Northeastern does offer housing in New York. Like there's dormitories. They're so expensive. It's absolutely ridiculous. I put out some feelers. I like told, I like put it on Facebook or whatever. I was like, I'm going to New York. Does anybody have any leads? Like any like open apartments? Like, cause renting a room in an apartment with three or four other people is going to be a lot cheaper than having a dorm room in a Northeastern dormitory in New York where you're also, but you're basically paying for like the amenities and being in like Midtown or whatever. Yeah. And it turned out, uh, some friends of mine that I actually had met on the internet when I was like 12. So back in the day, wild, wild west. Um, but we had become really good friends. We had hung out while I was in college. Their aunt lived in Queens and she had a spare room that she was renting for like $500 a month, which was a third of what Northeastern was asking. So amazing. We, I, my parents took a trip up to New York with me to like talk to her and see, and like 
she lived uh she lived in queens on 199th street so she was on like the long island side of queens right which billboard is on the lower east side it was on eighth like eighth and nyu Oh, that's really inconvenient. That's very inconvenient. But it was $500 a month versus $1,500. So oh I commuted yeah. every day. Yep. <laughs> took the. I had to take a bus from her house. That like There was a road at the top of her house. I had to take a bus from there to the last stop of the F train and take the F train like all the way into the city, switch at 34th Street to the NRQ to get down to North to, to billboard. And it was like an hour, 90 minute commute sometimes. And I was like, well, this is what happens when, when to be able to pay this lower price. And so for that, that's how, that's how I was able to make it work by getting like significantly cheaper housing. Yeah. It was a little bit more of a commute, but that's what I had to do. That's amazing. I didn't know they were down there. I was hoping they would be in times square or something, which would probably be a little bit more convenient. Let's talk about part-time jobs first. Just throw it, you know, I, I can say now the people I know that, you know, bartended, waitress, whatever, and interned are some of the best team members, employees I've ever worked with because they're figuring out time management, work ethic, all of that. So I'm sure you know plenty of people that worked part-time while also interning. Absolutely. I was like, I like, call here's my privilege card now i didn't have to do that but i do know a lot of people that like did a full day internship and then they went and had a uh like a waitressing job afterwards and then they would like go to bed come back do the internship and do it all over again brian vinicor who's also a northeastern alum he's now in new york he when he was doing his co-ops he had a job at uh urban outfitters so he would like go (laughs) He would go and do his internship and then he would go and like close, like help close urban outfitters. And that was his part-time job. I admire those people so much. I'm so fortunate that I didn't have to do that. But at the same time, there are ways to make it work. There's also Northeastern has something called, at least when I was there, there was a 2020 split where if you were in that position, you could work out that you did. Most internships are 40 hours a week. They want you to act like you're a full-time employee, but you can work out a 2020 split where you're doing 20 hours a week. So it's a part-time internship and it gives you time to like go and have a job. It's not ideal because the more time you spend at that internship, the more time you get embedded in that company and they trust you and all those things. But at the same time, if you can't afford to do that, 20 hours is better than no hours. I don't know a single employer that wouldn't be cool with a 20 hour internship and completely understand that someone else, that they also work part time. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's in New York and it's an unpaid internship. If they don't understand that you need 20 hours to go afford to be able to be there for 20 hours for free, then, then yeah, again, like Emily said, you don't want to work for them. That person is garbage. Yeah, and um, I don't think you're missing that much between 20 and 40 hours because I don't think people should feel bad about that. You know, like there's cool stuff going on all the time. To me, it's much more important that you get that 10, 20 hours in than not Absolutely. Oh, so real quick on housing. I stayed at, I believe it's Mount St. Mary College when I interned at VH1 Classic when I was 19. And they rent out their dorms in Midtown specifically to interns and I had two roommates, so it was dorm room style, and it was cheaper than my you know, apartment costs in the Back Bay in Boston. So again, you've just got to research. Um, I also applied for a grant at my school for in, uh, international internships, and I was able to go um, intern at VH1 in London. Um, so definitely, again, like 
dig in, research, like find the opportunities that are available to you. Let's talk about meals. How can people uh, save money on food and caffeine and all that? This is something that I learned. Like I, I could have saved a lot of money in New York had I learned this. It's something I've learned later in life that I wish I had known then. Um, it's something I'm doing now because like I, I've been going to a gym trying to have a healthier lifestyle. There's this thing called food prepping and it's awesome where like on Saturday or Sunday you can go to the grocery store, buy some chicken, whatever. It's not that hard to cook chicken. You can YouTube how to do it if you're like completely freaked out about it. But basically like you cook your food for a week and then you just store it in uh, storage containers in your fridge, wherever you have it. And so then every day you just grab your lunch and just like, Uh, There's a rule at my gym that like 90% of the meals that you eat need to be home cooked. So like, you know what's in it, but like outside of a health perspective, like if you have that rule for yourself, it's a lot cheaper making things for yourself than like trying to grab things on the go, constantly grabbing Starbucks, et cetera. Like the more you can do at home, the better. And I understand like some dorm situations that you're in are not going to have a kitchen. Um, but a, a lot of them do. You would be surprised. It's a communal kitchen, But like a lot of them have a way for you to sort of like make and if you can have a situation where you have access to a kitchen, then like food prepping, making sure you have your and making as much stuff at home is going to save you a lot in the end. I love it. Um, Ironically, I food prep um, to save time. You know, I make stuff the night before so I don't have to like think about what I'm doing for food the next day because I'm such a workaholic. I'm like working and I'm like, shit, I'm hungry. It is cheaper and it's healthier. So yeah, at any stage of life, um, the more food prep, I didn't even know that phrase, but the more food prep you can do, the better. Absolutely. And it'll, it'll save you a lot and it's going to make you a lot happier in the long run. Yes. Um, so Megan did an incredible job, uh, researching the interning struggle chapter. So if you want to dig into the book further, there's a lot of really good specific tips on everything we're talking to. I honestly could talk to Megan, um, for like a million more episodes on all the different chapters and all the different thoughts she has, but, um, that's all the time we have. So Megan, do you have any like wisdom, you know, advice, things like that for interns in our audience? don't be ashamed of being a fan. If you're passionate about something, that's what you should follow because that's going to be the thing that you work the hardest at. Secondly, don't take everything at face value. Um, Just like we were talking about with Northeastern, where like there's a bunch of co-op options that they're not presenting to their students at your school. If they're not, they might, they're there's, I'm guaranteeing you, they're not presenting you all of your options. So like, Look at different websites, check Facebook groups. There's a lot of different ways for you to, for you to find something that really fits you. And then thirdly, you don't have to wait for an internship to get involved. We're in the age of the internet. So DIY is a big thing. So if you're like a big fan of a band asked to be like part of their street team, start making YouTube series about them. Like the more skills that you can collect, the better. Uh, and you can do a lot of stuff just like the while you're like sitting on your computer checking Tumblr or whatever you're doing. And and it gives you a lot of experience that you don't realize you have that can translate to a resume and make you a really uh, desirable candidate. I love it. So this is a perfect example of something I could talk to you about all day. I love what you're saying about remaining a fan. That's really important. But what are your thoughts on like, expectations when you go into an internship because one like you could go work for the band's management company and they might assign you to work on other bands because that the band you love is is full up two 
they, you know, luckily Noel Gallagher is always very nice to me, but they say, don't meet your heroes. Like what if, what if your hero is an asshole? Um, but yeah, I, I guess, do you have any thoughts on like expectations going in internships? Cause you don't necessarily know what's going to be thrown at you. Yes. The first thing is that like, you have to remember when you're walking into an internship, you're walking in as the bottom rung of the ladder. Sometimes you're like the ground underneath the bottom rung of the ladder. Oh. And it's like that sound like some people get very frustrated and they have like this sense of entitlement that when they walk into an internship, it should automatically be awesome. And it's not that. You have to prove that you are capable of doing those things before people are going to trust you with the really fancy, cool stuff. Like they're not just going to let you hang out with their client or do those things when you haven't proven that you can handle yourself. So don't give up if like you walk in and like the first week they're like, oh, can you get my coffee? Oh, can you do this like paperwork thing? Do it and do it well. And when you prove that you can do that, you will find that your experience, like they will let you do more and more things. So it is sometimes a gradual process. And that's the thing that you should know that if you prove yourself. And again, with me, they didn't start out being like, oh, yeah, Megan, you're going to interview panic. I had to prove that. And then I would just like they I made it known that I was a fan of that. So they kept it in mind when there was an opportunity that I had proven myself worthy of to give it to me. I love it. Um, Megan Vick, you are the embodiment of an interning 101 success story. So thank you so much for your time and being a guest today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Awesome. And can people follow you on any social media or connect with you in any way? Absolutely. I'm on Twitter at at Mego Inc. It's M-E-G-G-O-I-N-C. And I'm on Instagram at at Mego Vic. M-E-G-G-O-V-I-C-K. Awesome. Um, That's a wrap for episode 12. Stay tuned and we will catch you on episode 13. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the Interning 101 podcast. I'm your host, Emily White. You can follow us anytime over on Twitter at Interning 101, as well as on our website, interning101.com. I'm on Twitter at at EMWizzle. Hit us up anytime if you have questions, comments, guest suggestions, or just want to get something off your mind. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.